Thank you so much, people, for joining Sports Inside and Out Sports Talk Radio. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Once again, we got a great show for you today. I have on today the legend himself, the guy that played for Michigan State University, the greatest tight end to ever play at that wonderful university, and also the greatest Dallas Cowboy tight end to ever play we have on the show today, Billy Joe Dupree. But before we get into that, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors. That's right, our sponsors, Seabreeze, the leader of transitional housing and more. And check this out, Flash G is in the house. The Armed Forces Network, while we were asleep, you were awake, making sure our way of life stayed the same. Also, we have Dan and Nissan, man, down there in Chesapeake. He has finally dug himself out the snow. All the cars are cleaned off. He's ready for people to come down there and buy new vehicles. Hey, even if you just want a free car wash to come down and get your car wash while you look at cars, go check them out. Dan and Nissan, man, swappingkeys.com. That's swappingkeys.com. Now, without further ado, I'd like to bring to the audience the man, the myth, and the legend, Billy Joe Dupree. Welcome to the show, Billy Joe. Well, thank you, and uh, Happy New Year to everyone, and I hope things are going ahead and everyone's the best. Yes, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you also. Man, I got, I'm got. i going to dive right into it. Um, we have a really good playoff scenario here with the NFL. You have some of the pinnacle teams in, like, the branding of the NFL with the Cowboys, the Steelers, you know, and Green Bay Packers and the Patriots all in the playoff and playing very well at the moment. But I want to go with you, Billy Joe, and get your opinion on how and why did the Cowboys have a resurgence this year and what's their chances of beating Green Bay this coming weekend? Okay, well, let's, let's start off with the resurgence. And uh, uh, one of the biggest reasons is, is that they, they're healthy and guys have been healthy. And that in combination with uh, bringing on, uh, drafting some guys who have been an asset to the team, in particular, uh, Zeke, who was the first round chap as a running back, and they were, you know, Mr. Running Back, I mean, a real good running back, uh, to help uh, move along the offense and to open the offense up. Uh, and I was uh, also have to press it by saying this about Zeke. Uh, his first game with uh, New York, first opening season, uh, really hadn't developed the patience. But he seems to be a quick learner because the second game they played, second game of the season, he seemed to have a little bit more patience about where he wanted to run and when he wanted to run there uh, to get a feel. Before, it seems like, hey, there's a hole. This is a play. This is where you're supposed to run, so just hit it. Well, he's learned to uh, and adapted to the situation of being a little patient and let the blocks develop and for him to get downfield. And the other aspect of it is, is Dak uh, Prescott, which was totally out of the picture coming into the season, uh, preseason as well. Uh, but uh, I met the uh, met the young man uh, before the season started at the annual uh, luncheon that they have for <clears throat> for the Cowboys in opening season. Brief conversation, but basically he seems to be more well-grounded than, he, than people may think he is. He's a lot more mature in his line of thinking and his posture um, uh, as far as his, his way and his approach to, uh, to football and approach to his, his responsibility to the team. 
and the other aspects about the uh, DAC and, and the team as a whole is that this may be first time in a long time that they're actually playing like a team. That is the biggest asset for the resurgence. It doesn't matter. It seems it doesn't matter who scores the touchdowns or who makes the tackles as long as the game gets won. And I noticed that in the biggest turnaround is, is of course, Dez. And Dez and, and the rest of the group have embraced this. And I would uh, primarily contribute that to um, Jason Garrett as a coach who had been professing and putting that into play. So those factors have created uh, what you see today. And that is a good team that uh, works for each other. And they've embraced the idea of uh, the concept of of, uh, of the coach that uh, the fight you fight until the uh, until the fight until it's to the finish. There's no let up and no uh, slowing down and play with a level of confidence that uh, you don't concern about the last play but the next play to win the game. So with all those combinations involved, they really surprised quite a few people at the beginning of the season because they didn't, didn't think Dak Prescott was that had those type of talents. But he right. seems to be a good, uh, excellent uh, student of the game as well as having the ability to, to move around. Now, one of the factors that he had to deal with here in the second half of the season is that he played six, eight games, rather, and by eight games, uh, a lot of the film watching uh, coaches as well as players recognize that there is tendencies and certain habits that players have. And he seemed to adapt to, to that situation. But the defensive squads who have approached him the second half of the season seem to adapt as well to blitz a lot more, to put a lot more pressure on him which means that uh, he may have a tendency to you know, leave the pocket every so often and move around a little bit more and get rid of that ball a, little, a lot quicker. I mean, different between Tony, uh, uh, Romo, and Dak, uh, the first part of the season, if they're both on the field, is that Dak had a, a an ability to get that, get that ball out of his hands a lot quicker. And obviously, Tony on the sideline has, been watching and has learned quite a bit about himself because that little series he came in in Philadelphia, and that was the first time I've I've, I've seen Tony and watching him play that he actually got rid of the ball a lot quicker than than he had been in the past. Not looking for eight guys, just looking for what the coverage offers and, and throw it to the area where the coverage gives them the opportunity to do that. So having all those things, the weapons available for him. Uh, offense, as well as the defense, has improved his their style of play. They've gotten a lot more aggressive in what they do. Secondary, of course, is, is, is a young group uh, to speak of, and they're developing as well. And they're going to have their hands full with Green Bay. Yeah. And primary reason they're going to have their hands full with Green Bay is that Aaron Rodgers is healthier. And he's a lot mobile than he has been in the past. Uh, defense does what do what they're supposed to do. Um, you know, last the last great game I watched was a college game, and that was a national championship with yeah. Alabama and you know, Clemson. Yeah, give us I a little, that, Give us a little bit of thoughts ahead. on that. On the, on the, uh, how how great of a game that was this past Monday. 
Well, that was, I mean, I'll tell you, that was one of the, one of the probably one of the two top best games I've seen uh, this year uh, as far as competition. And, and what impressed me about the whole process is that both entities seem to maintain a level of consistency and not give in and are breaking and playing it down to the last second. And the most impressive part of that was the last drive that they had. I mean, it was something to um, to marvel at with that kind of time left on the clock to go in and actually score score a touchdown and to win the game. So we hadn't, hadn't seen a game like that in, in a long time. And, and I anticipate that the uh, Cowboys and Green Bay is going to be a little bit of a shootout. Uh, more of a defensive deal than it will be an offensive deal. You know, unless they let uh, and let Zeke run up and down the field. If, if that be the case, if Zeke uh, gets an opportunity to do what he, he wants to do, then that's going to be the difference. And on the other hand, if Aaron Rodgers gets a chance to do what he wants to do, that's going to kind of balance that whole thing out from the standpoint of him getting the ball to his receivers for the secondary that that's playing well, but occasionally, you know, we need a little bit more pressure on the quarterback and the way Rodgers move around, it may give, give him an opportunity to get the ball down a little bit more. But I think all in all, the Cowboys had a great chance of, of, uh, of winning this game and uh, providing they don't beat themselves. And the two games that they lost, and that was with the three games, more or less, uh, that they lost. The last one, Philadelphia, of course, that was some of the giveaway, but two that they lost to the Giants. They minimize the uh, penalties that they have. They don't give the uh, opposition the opportunity to advance in or get back on the field. And they should win this. They should win this game. It may not be more than a touchdown, or maybe a field goal, but I don't see a blowout on either side. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't see a blowout either myself. I, I think it's going to be a pretty good, clo- a pretty close game and a great game. But I, I do agree with you. If either side allows, you know, either Aaron Rodgers or Zeke to do whatever they want, it's usually going to end up being a loss for either team. Because if it was Zeke running the ball, as you know as well as I do, is that if you're running the football, you're eating up the clock. So and he doesn't, and he doesn't really have to like get like ten, fifteen yard um, per carry per se, if he just gets six yards every time he touches the ball and they eat up the clock and they manage it, and Rodgers can throw, you know, throw for 300 yards, but he's not going to have the ball enough to really to do any damage for scoring points. And the, the Green Bay Packers have struggled all year with getting in the end zone inside the red zone, from inside the red zone. So those little troubles, even though they have fixed them here recently, they don't really just go away overnight. So we really could see a really good game. It really depends on the schemes that the coaches come up with and the game plans. So I would like to uh, switch gears to to the um, the other playoff games, which is you got the Patriots versus the Texans, which I, I feel like at, at this point is really just a it's a game that, that's on TV that you know most people will most likely, unless you're a Patriots fan or a Texas fan, will not be tuning into due to the fact that the Texans pretty much just limped into this whole thing um, and was able to beat a, another team in the uh, Raiders, who also had a major injury to their quarterback, Derek Carr, right before the playoffs. 
So one game I do want to talk about in, in depth is the Steelers and the Chiefs, which is, a, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to the Chiefs. Um, they're playing the Chiefs at, you know, at their place. How difficult will it be for the Pittsburgh Steelers to pull off a win against the Kansas City Chiefs playing in Kansas City? Well, you know, one that I think that it's probably gonna be more of a defensive game than than uh, than anything. But you notice uh, how aggressive Pittsburgh played uh, their last game on defense. And uh, for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, man, they kind of match that whole process. So difficult wise, um, you know. If they get Big Ben is not healthy enough to move around, then they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. Because, uh, I mean, I know they got a good running back there. But uh, Kansas City has been, the Chiefs have been really, uh, really efficient at doing what they uh, what they do. And the head coach there has been known to have the, the uh, scheme of things to, to, make, to make a win, to create a win and make things happen. Yeah. Well, now moving on to, to see uh, the next what I call the sleeper game of the of this weekend is the Seattle Seahawks versus the Atlantic Falcons, Atlanta Falcons. And the reason why I call this a sleeper game is because both these teams seem to be flying under the radar, but they're playing pretty good at the moment. And this could really end up being the best game of the weekend. So what do you think about these two teams playing this weekend? Uh, I, I think you're right. And I agree with you on that. And I also think that uh, the Falcons are lower on the radar than any team they got playing in the playoffs right now. But they have a great uh, consistency with Ryan at quarterback, uh, throwing the ways and, and the way they've been playing and the way defense is playing as well. Uh, it's going to matter. It's going to be a, a contest with, uh, in my opinion, a contest between uh, Atlanta's defense and Seattle's offense. If Atlanta's defense can uh, stifle uh, Seattle's offense, Atlanta's going to win that game. And if they win that game, then they're going to they're be a force for the next uh, next opponent that comes through it. But I think Atlanta has a better chance of uh, of winning that game than, uh, than Seattle. It'll be a good game. But I think you're right. That's a super game to hear because both of those teams are under the radar. And it's a lot like New York a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they were just... Didn't expect came in as a wild card and didn't expect to get through the uh, first round, but ended up playing in the Super Bowl and winning it. So, and I think Atlanta has a better opportunity than Seattle at this point. Yeah, and they, you know they even have the game being played on Saturday at four thirty-five p.m. So if you're not really paying attention to what's going on, you might actually miss the game. And we say, oh man, I yeah. forgot it was a game today. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah. so it's even playing into this the the sleeper factor of it because even if both team either team wins, you don't really find out about it unless you was really paying attention until Sunday morning. You know, so it, it's I really think the Atlanta Falcons um, will win this game. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are not the same team as they were a couple of years ago. You know, they got some of the same players, but they're not necessarily playing the same way. You know, they're a little bit slower. And people just, you know, quite frank, just are getting used to that defense and knowing how to develop schemes to be able to score on them. And then with Russell Wilson uh, not having Marshawn Lynch in the backfield to be able to control the ball uh, more and, and really balance the other defense out to make sure that they 
stay balanced and not just cover the pass all the time, you know, they're now able to stop the run with, with just four down linemen and really the linebackers not even having to do a run blitz. And that's not really going to work if you're trying to get into the Super Bowl in, in this day and age in the NFL. Well, uh, no, Billy, no. Billy Joe, I'd like no, to no. transition over to um, what do you got going on and tell us what you've been up to. Well, you know, I even consider myself semi-retired uh, or unemployed, but I think I'm semi-retired. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives me an opportunity to uh, to delve in, in, in organizations that uh, that deal with uh, assisting and helping people. And you know, one of the entities that I'm affiliated with right now that I've been a part of uh, we're trying to uh, do something for former players. The uh, the um, that the organization that the, that originated uh, it was generated more or less from the NFL films, and uh, through that process, the settlement of that whole deal, which was a class action, is that we set up a uh, an organization. Um, you know, the NFL Performing Players Association that uh, searching and creating creating situations, avenues to build a war chest for players who who are in need, and it's just basically one of those situations that uh, has to be more or less supported by. Retired guys, regardless of what level of uh, of uh, achievement that you acquired, but if you deal with the high-profile individuals, they have their main entities. And how the deal works is that we've hired AIG as an entity for marketing and advertising and standpoint, and the revenue that's generated out of that. Uh, Eighty-five uh, percent of it uh, goes back into a trust fund that we're developing to um, to help our players, former players who, who, who may need the assistance. And the brief start on this deal, which is which is good, but it's just a, a drop in the bucket for what's to come, is that we've also, as part of this deal, developed a association to create a, a demo plan to assist and supplement some of the things that uh, that are already existing around the league. And there's quite a few programs for retired players um, that we're trying to stay out of uh, duplicating most things so that people can take the best advantage of it. Uh, guys can take the best advantage of all the resources that they have available. So that's one of, one of my primary deals that I've been associated with. And and uh, I'm trying to, not trying to, but it looks like I may have to wound down my association with Meals on Wheels uh, for the uh, city that I'm in. That's in McKinney, Texas. Hopefully I can, can sustain that because it's started developing with a new director, started developing activities for for youth um, around the uh, McKinney area, which is, uh, we just need it. So those are two basic things that, that I'm involved with outside of my family, but the bulk of my time has been devoted to spending some time with my family and, and my grandson and, and my son and his, and his families. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Billy Joe, for joining us today. And I want our listeners to understand one thing. When legends speak, 
People listen. Thank you so much, everybody, and thank you, Billy Joe. Uh, thank you, CB. And hey, once again, Happy New Year to everybody, and uh, hope you have a good, uh, good year and God's blessings.